Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. The day has come to identify new opportunities where you can have independent, informed, and objective financial guidance customized to you with clear and transparent advice that is solely in your best interest. Your host, KT Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services and Lead Wealth Advisor at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning, estate planning, investment management, insurance planning, tax strategies, and employee benefits. With more than 25 years of experience, she is joined by Tammy Simons, Director of Advice Services and Wealth Advisor with more than 10 years of experience. New Day Solutions has a highly credentialed team with three advisors holding their CFPs, two of them holding their SEMA certificates. New Day Solutions is a female-run boutique firm dedicated to high net worth individuals families, and business owners. At New Day Solutions, we work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals and your financial planning goals. New Day Solutions is a fee-only practice, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Their only objective is to make the best possible financial decisions with you. Fair and transparent financial advice from New Day Solutions. It's time to refresh your thinking when it comes to choosing a firm to serve as your trusted investment partner. Reach out to Katie and Tammy today for a free consultation or go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Hi, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas at KT's Money Matters, helping you break down your money and think about how you grow it, save it, spend it maybe, and maybe even earn some more. So today's topic is really about helping you think about how to maybe brand yourself and your business and how you think about taking advantage of your reputation in the industry, whether it be something that you're driving through social media or a business that you're building or how you want to be known for what it is that you do. I think this is an, it's an important part of monetizing your brand. So helping people see what you're, what you both stand for and what you can provide. You know, I asked Deb Gabor to be here. She was born to brand. Let's just say that. Author of the best-selling books, Branding is Sex, and the founder of Soul Marketing, which is a brand strategy consultancy company obsessed with building winning brands. So since 2003, Soul Marketing team has led brand strategy engagements with companies like Dell and Microsoft, NBC Universal, one of my favorites, All Recipes, because I like to cook, but I hate to keep books, Cheeseburger, another favorite, Home Away, for all of those of us who just want to travel and Retail Me Not, and dozens of others. So she's helped a lot of startups figure out 
how to tap into this and, and drive these things. So Deb makes her home from Austin, Texas, and I've asked her to join us. Let's talk about you and the building of your own brand. How did you, did you build it a little bit at a time? Did you add pieces as you went or did you always have a big vision? So it's interesting. I never had a particular vision for my own personal brand until about three years ago. I had started this company, Soul Marketing, back in 2003, and it kind of took off on its own. Really, I, I tell the story of how I was actually an accidental entrepreneur. I never set out to create a company. I certainly didn't set out to create a company as big as this one. But you know, it's been an incredible roller coaster ride of emotions and, and finances and things like that over the years. And, and I wouldn't trade it in for anything. But it really was only back, you know, about three years ago that I decided that I really needed to build my own personal brand to be able to feed business into the company because the company had grown largely just based on personal referrals and referrals from our great clients or our clients going from one company to another and kind of taking us with them and things like that. And, you know, you sometimes get to a point when you're marketing just to a referral network, you reach the end of all of the people that are available to you through that. And I thought, well, what's the best way for me to actually attract really highly qualified leads to the company using, you know, what are some of my unique gifts and some of the things that I've learned from operating this business for so many years. And so that's when I decided that what I was going to do was write a book. So I went out there, I spent some time writing a book. I wrote a really, really great best-selling business book with a cheeky and provocative title that got a lot of attention and pretty much catapulted me into the spotlight and helped me build my own personal brand, which to this day continues to support and feed additional business to the brand of my company. So it was really, you know, the impetus for that, like really paying attention to my own personal brand was I had sort of reached the very end of what I could do through referrals. And I was going to have to like turn on the marketing engine. I looked at my industry and I looked at my competitors and I looked at what made the best brands in my industry have momentum. And one of the, one of the things that I saw was they fell into two camps. One were organizations where they were thought leaders. The person at the top of the organization was really sort of blazing a trail and setting a path and had a very distinctive point of view within the industry, or they were just a marketing machine. And really, I wanted to build a thought leadership profile because I had so much to say. I've been doing this for a really, really long time and have a proven track record with some amazing companies, some of which you named at the beginning of my introduction there. And I thought, when I that I was born to brand. It literally is an obsession for me and I can't not do it. How can I bring this to more people? So that was the impetus for creating my own brand. It started with a book and then that book got real popular. I started to get into the conversation that's been going on for about the last two years about branding disasters, thanks to companies like United Airlines and Uber and Wells Fargo and now Nike. And you can't wake up in the morning anymore without hearing about somebody stepping in it or putting their foot in their mouth or something, I became a, a resource for the media to be the world's resident authority on botched corporate apologies and overcoming branding disasters and things like that. And that really helped to accelerate my profile. Then I started becoming a very popular speaker, going out to lots of really great CEO and executive events all over the world. And that's how you build a personal brand. Does that answer your question? Boy, that's a big answer. So when all this is going on, you're also a single mother. Yep. You own a business. You're launching a new part of your business all the time. You're traveling on business and you're a single mother. Let's face it. You meet my definition of the hardworking woman. So how are you doing all of this? 
Like, how do you balance the trade-offs of uh, family versus work, play versus, you know, time feeding the engine? You know, are you sleeping? Uh, believe it or don't, I actually am sleeping. I sleep pretty well and I sleep pretty regularly. So that, that's a good thing. I've always made sleep a real priority because I can't function without it. It's just kind of a deal that I've had to make with myself as I go to bed every night. I'll tell you the balance thing has gotten a lot better in the last two years because I sent my only kid off to the college and I sent her to another state. You know, a lot of the things that we as working moms are challenged with when our kids are smaller, like the getting them from place to place and feeding them and making sure that they're at all of the places they need to be and that they don't set the house on fire and all of those kinds of things. Like a lot of those worries, they kind of go away. And so I really, really kicked into high gear when my daughter left for her freshman year of college, which was, at, I want to say the fall of 2016. So that changes a lot of things. Probably perhaps more interesting is the how did I do it when and she was small and it was right. just the two of us and I was traveling all over the place being with clients. I even at one time before I started this company when I was when I was running someone else's company, I was running three offices. I was running Austin, Palo Alto, and San Francisco offices and traveling among them all the time. So uh, I actually actually did, you know, the unthinkable, had live in help. We had a really, really wonderful woman who lived with us who kind of filled in a lot of the white space for me when I was on the road. And then, you know, I took my daughter to a lot of places with me. She's traveled all over the world with me. She's gone to business meetings. She's gone to conferences. She's seen me speak. She's been at book launch events. You know, she's had to sit in the back seat of the car while I conducted an interview with the New York Times while I'm front seat in the parking lot outside her school. You know, I, I think as women, we have a way of just like making stuff work. Honestly, I don't know any other way because I was a alone with my daughter from the time that she was four. And we never had, you know, there's never been another parent in our world since then. And so honestly, you know, when people ask me the question, like, how did you do it all? I just did it. I kind of was grinding through it without realizing that there was any other choice. Now, I will tell you what did go to the back burner was my own interpersonal relationships, my friends, romantic relationships, things like that. It was, you know, for literally for 16 years, it was me and her, we were a package deal. And I was grinding out the the starting and growing and expanding of this business and sort of building my, my own legacy. But every decision I ever made was really about not having to have financial help from anyone else. That was the impetus behind all of it. So, you know, you said a lot in that, but one of them was the trade-off of what you had available and how you decided to dole it out. Meaning like mm -hmm. there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so much bandwidth that any of us have at any given time. And one of the things that during that period is you just decided it was you and your daughter and you were going to do what it took to drive it for the two of you and make sure that you had everything that she would need. You know, on a personal level, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to go out and date. You know, many of my single mothers say exactly the same <laughs> thing. Listen, the end of the day, you know, come see me when my kid's in college because I, I just don't have it. Yep, yep. And that's, you know, that's pretty much what, what happened. And my dating life, it's kind of funny. As a public person, my dating life is pretty legendary. And a lot of people have heard about it on other podcasts and broadcasts and things like that. All of that has been within, you know, I'd say like the last five or six years, really ever since my kid got her driver's license. So, you you know, you have to give that stuff sort of a back seat. I will say happily, I have found someone that, you know, I settled down with who is willing to put up with my entrepreneurial critical ADD. Nice. It's, you know, non-clinical ADD, but it's entrepreneurial ADD. And he's just right there. He's right there beside me supporting me through all of that. And, you know, thank goodness he, 
you know, he's also not an entrepreneur. So, so that's helpful. But yeah, like all that stuff takes a backseat. Dating takes a backseat. Sex takes a backseat. I'll tell you, you know, for several years, like eating right and exercising kind of took a backseat too. A couple of years where I was like the heaviest and most sickly feeling that I've ever been. And, you know, really it was, it truly was when I like successfully launched this girl into college that I, I put my focus back on myself. And, you know, as women, we, we make sacrifices and we sacrifice, we sacrifice in a way that like, we don't feel resent. We just power forward because innately we know that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, I know tons of successful male entrepreneurs. They're just wired differently than we are. They really are. They don't have that same sort of orientation towards this. Is, it's not, it's not a choice thing. It is a, we just do it thing. I think men feel in many ways in their lives, like they have more access to choices where we don't. So if you're a woman and you're thinking about starting your own business, maybe saving money to start a business, what would you recommend? What do you tell people that say, how can I build a business like this? What should I be thinking about doing? Should I be banking money? I mean, how long should I wait? Should I work part-time while I try to build it? Should I don't quit my day job till I actually get a paycheck. Give us some thoughtful advice, somebody who's, who's done it ahead of us. So I, I will say this. I generally don't get to give advice to people unless they're paying for it. And I'll tell you why. The main reason is like, if I give you advice and I put advice out there and it's shitty advice and you take it and things go badly for you, we always have that between us. Or if I give really good advice and you don't take it, you feel bad. We always have that between us. What I can do is kind of relay some experiences, like my own sort of how to I started story and what I learned about money through that. And that is, you know, when I started my own company, I think I referenced a couple of minutes ago, this idea that I was an accidental entrepreneur. When I started my own company, it was under duress and I never set out to start my own company. I was working for somebody else. I was in a position in my organization where I was as high as I was going to get without the CEO dying. And I didn't want that to happen to her. I had learned a ton. Everything was going cool. And the economy was really suffering. My business was suffering. And on the day that I went into work and I laid off 72 people in one day, which I will say was like the single worst day of my entire career. I had this moment where I I thought I never want to be in this position to do this again. And in order to prevent that, I need to be in control of my own destiny. I literally had five cents in my bank account. It was before payday. I went in, I gave notice and I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I walked out of that business with one independent client that I was just going to work for by the hour. I was just going to bill hourly. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. And what I did was I, I started as an independent consultant. I hung my little shingle. I said I was available for brand strategy work. I was extremely opportunistic in that I kind of took every client I could get my hands on initially. I don't recommend that for for anybody because I ended up doing a lot of work that isn't the kind of work that I do today, nor is it the kind of work that, you know, I ever want to do. But it was stuff that paid the bills. And, you know, I kind of got a good gig going. From there, people were finding incredible value in the kind of work that I was doing in the way that I was doing. It and I started needing helpers. So then I went out there and instead of like hiring people as employees, I started to do independent contractor agreements with other people who were service providers who provided services that were sort of adjacent to mine and formed this like loose coalition or consortium of people who could provide like full service brand strategy, market research and marketing services to clients. And we started to pitch business together. And then all of a sudden I was a company, but you know, so, so by way of not giving advice, you know, that was 
that was kind of my path. And I will say, you know, I was living alone I, with my daughter. I had just finished a really expensive divorce in which I, you know, I got completely cleaned out and gave away things like half the equity in my house, half of my 401k plan. I gave away a car. I paid my ex-husband's rent for half a year. I paid for him to go back to school and get another degree just to get him out of my life. And I weighed all of those things against the potential that I saw to be able to be in control of my own destiny. And that's, that's really how I made, made that decision. There was no way I could do anything else. Perfect. I'll tell you, you know, that's one of the things I always think about is that people get stuck in the idea of holding on to the things that they have. And I would argue that that's one of the things that keeps people from actually getting the things that they really want is that they're so busy trying to, you know, hold on to it. And, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, these businesses that destroy themselves because they, they don't do a good job managing their brand or they, they fail to evolve. You know, we think about like, you know, you talk about the branding disasters of things like United Airlines. And really what they are is they're companies that have been unwilling to think about how they might be different. They're so busy trying to keep what they have. And I think that that's human nature. I think people do it and I think companies do it, but they're trying to hold on to all the strings that they had before. And as a result, there's actually no hand free to reach out for that next thing that, you know, that might advance them down the road. Oh yeah, I, I agree you know, to your business. Well, and you know, the other thing is like, I approach everything from a point of abundance versus scarcity. I'm like, there's more than enough to go around. The defining moment for me in terms of my relationship with money. And I think that this is really important to like how I grew as a human and how my business grew. Like the, my defining moment really was my divorce where I was a little bit like, this is such an untenable situation that I'm willing to give up everything in order to have the freedom and the ability to make my own choices and not be encumbered by anybody else. And I will tell you, I became very prosperous very quickly when I started facing life like that and investing first in myself and investing in my business, investing in my daughter, investing in, you know, investing in things that were going to pay lifestyle dividends down the road and, and really just approaching things from, from a point of view of possibility, even so much that the core, like the main core value in my company is called yes. And because I built this business on saying yes to as many things as I possibly could. I want everybody to say yes to as many things as they can to the extent that it makes sense and you're credible and delivering on a promise there. But looking at things from this, you know, just this place of abundance versus a place of scarcity, it guides everything that I do. And I feel like I've been a lot more prosperous and a lot more successful as a result of it. So can we talk a little bit about your primary business? I mean, really, you spend much of your time figuring out how to help people brand what they do. Can you talk a little bit about just sort of the basics for my listeners? Like when should they be thinking about this in the process? What are some of the intangible benefits of branding and you know, maybe some of the trade-offs of not branding. Sure, sure. So people ask me this question all the time. You know, first, I have to start with like my philosophical definition of a brand. A lot of people think of branding as being like your visual identity, how you show up in the world with a logo and colors and a campaign and all that kind of stuff. It really, it, it starts at a much deeper level. And so the way that I think about branding and my philosophy about branding is that a brand is a magnet that has values and beliefs 
And it's designed that magnet to attract customers and employees and partners and vendors and investors to it that share a similar set of values and beliefs. And so the basis of branding is figuring out who you are, who you are that to. So who is the customer who is most highly predictive of your success and then becoming meaningful to them in their lives. And in the practice of branding, it's really about answering these three basic questions. The first question being, what does it say about a person that they use this brand? So the brands that we use, that we eat, that we drink, that we wear, the services that we hire, the stores that we patronize, they all say something about us to ourselves and to other people. So figuring out what are the self-expressive benefits of the brand. The second question that we look to figure out through branding is what is the singular thing that a customer gets from your brand they can't get anywhere else? which speaks to, and you talked about this a couple minutes ago, this speaks to differentiation. What is meaningfully different about you? And what is the one thing they get from you they can't get from anyone else that helps you create a sustainable legacy for your organization and for your brand? And then finally, this is where branding is like sex. It's all about making the customer feel like the hero in their own story. Understanding who your customer is and understanding what is the story that he or she is trying to create for his life and then making sure that that person in the end comes out on top, they end up getting the girl or the guy and taking the role in the hay and getting the big screen kiss at the end. That is the very essence of branding. And it's an always on, always thinking about it activity. And I think for your listeners, if they take one thing away from this conversation, it should be Look at your organization as a brand. Look at your organization. Look at yourself as a brand and look at that brand as an experience that exists in 360 degrees. So it's like every touch point, every conversation, every relationship, every business card you hand out, every marketing material, marketing message that you put out there that people, that they engage with, that is your brand and how your brand shows up. And the start of defining what that is, is by answering those, those three questions. What does it say about a person that they use the brand? What's the singular thing they get from you they can't get anywhere else? And how do you make your customer a hero in their own story? And then you're starting to build that foundation of branding. So then going forward, everything you do should align with those three things. Absolutely. So United Airlines, I pick on them all the time, but you know, this is a really, really good example of a brand that is, their behaviors are not aligned with the brand. United Airlines, believe it or don't, their brand promise, their stated brand promise is to be the most caring airline in the world. They're anything but caring. Right, exactly. They're anything but caring when they send somebody's dog to Japan by mistake. They killed one in an overhead bin. You know, not to mention they dragged that. Dragging people off the plane. No, there are a million million stories. Yeah, exactly. Caring doesn't seem to shine through. Exactly, exactly. And so this is a brand that is not aligned. Very simple example of where this brand could be aligned all the way through, you know, the way that employees show up and the way they behave and the way the way they're incentivized and things like that. Those line employees, like the person who was working at the gate that day that David Dow was pulled off the plane, should have been empowered to do not just the best she could, but whatever it took. To make sure that anybody who wanted to have a seat on that plane could have a seat on that plane. Everyone has a price, right? Like the price didn't get high enough to get somebody out of their seat. But she, again, wasn't empowered to be an employee of the most caring airline in the world. So that's an example of where your brand doesn't align with your behavior. So you are 150% correct that everything needs to be aligned internally, externally. It's a set of values and beliefs and you have to live them all day, every day. 
what would you say right now is your favorite brand, like a favorite brand success story? Somebody who's really doing it right. Somebody who's really doing it right. And I have like, I have memorialized this in my book too. So like, I love Zappos. I love Zappos so much. Um, yeah, shoes. Yeah. And I love Zappos so much because, you know, if they, if I were a farmer and they were selling farm implements, I would buy them from Zappos. They, they're the people, they branded love. Everything about their relationship with me, and, and frankly, my relationship is very transactional with them, right? I go on the website, I search for a pair of shoes, I, I like hit buy, they show up at my doorstep the very, very next day. It's very, very transactional. Yet I'm talking about them with really strong language when I say that I love them. And I, I love them because they, they sort of reinvented our expectations for e-commerce. They were probably, if not the very first, one of the first to offer free shipping both ways to remove the friction of online shopping. I am so irrationally loyal to this brand that I will go down to my local Nordstrom, which is like, I don't know, four and a half miles away from me. They have a fantastic shoe department. I will go there. I'll try on a pair of shoes in the Nordstrom store. And I could walk out that day, like wearing those shoes on my feet. Nope. I will go right back to my computer or my phone and I will search for them on Zappos and order them from Zappos. That's how irrationally loyal I am to the brand. And that is because the brand is strong. I understand the brand. It's not wholly about shoes. It's about a relationship that they have with me and respect that they have for me as a customer. It's about promises that they deliver on. I order, I don't know, maybe about $10,000 worth of shoes a year. I probably return more than half of them just because I can. I don't feel judged. And they've removed a lot of the barriers that are things that make me dislike shopping. So that's one of the reasons why I love the Zappos brand. Okay. We were having too much fun, Deb. I know. That's okay. You know what? And if you would like me to come back and talk more about, you know, how does somebody create their own brand? What are the steps that they need to go through or whatever? I am happy to come back and and do that and tell stories and whatever. Because like I could talk about this all day long. Yes, because you are born to brand. Yes. So, <laughs> so, Deb, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Deb's book, Branding is Sex, available. Where can they get your book? Uh, they can get it any place where you can buy books. Uh, probably the easiest way to get it is on Amazon. So for you, for you lovers of Amazon, like myself, you can get it right on Amazon, where you can also find The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money. Deb? Links for how people get in touch with you. Can you just quickly share with people email or LinkedIn or how they might reach out to you? Yeah. You know what? I'm available on like every form of social media or you can go to brandingissex.com. Also, you can come see my company at Soul Marketing, S-O-L marketing.com. And then I'm at Deb underscore Soul on Twitter, or you can just search for my name, Deb Gabor on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'm in all of those various places. So uh, if you have a branding question, I do love to hear from people. So feel free to reach out to me. Great. Deb, thanks again for spending time with us today. For my Money Matters listeners, there'll be information on all of that also contained in the show notes. Thanks until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.